Hello everyone, this is the prestigious one here and welcome to, I'm going to move forward a bit, there we go, welcome to another episode of How to Become a Pro Wrestler. Um, it's been a while, first of all apologies for the delay, um, basically the reason is uh, that there's been a bit of a delay this time is because with this series I don't want to just come out and talk for no reason, you know, if there's nothing to report um, it's a little difficult to do this series. The last thing I want to do is kind of waste people's time by just saying things for the sake of saying them. So I wanted to wait until I had something important to say. Because right now, I'm going through a strange period of time in my wrestling career where basically I'm working on these projects behind the scenes. I'm going to have some stuff to announce soon about the stuff that I'm doing. And um, this is really, really a few, few exciting projects that myself um, and a few of my colleagues have been working on. I'm really excited about it, but now isn't the time to to announce it. So it's kind of, I'm waiting uh, in the wings to get going with this. So it's cool because there's lots of stuff coming on the horizon, but on the flip side, it's a little difficult because until this these things start kicking off, it's it's difficult for me to get my teeth stuck into that. I've got, and it's not just wrestling stuff, I've got, uh, got some projects that are non-wrestling related that I'm excited to talk to you guys about, um, some video game stuff as well, which we've talked on previous episodes about the importance of having kind of an escape from wrestling and another passion that you can be involved in, and for me, I've really found that video games is it, and and I've, I really think I've found my passion with that in uh, building these little retro uh, computers, these single board computers, Raspberry Pi computers, Odroid, stuff like that. That's a real passion of mine, and I'm hoping to kind of turn that into um, something I can share with uh, my fans as well. Um, so more on that later. I've got a few few other things I'm working on at the moment, but I've got some exciting stuff. But for the, for the longest time, it's kind of felt like... Um, it's difficult to be motivated sometimes when there's not a huge amount going on. Um, and before we get into that, I do want to give a shout out to our Patreons this month. I want to give a shout out to James Malley, Ian Downey, Ian Callan Lees, uh, my mum, Kirsty Bailey, Chris McCulloch, Gordon Brown, Ben Wackett, Adam Wilson, Mark Leslie, Jack Godfrey, Ant191, Laura Beard, Brian Smith, Daniel Betancourt, Jamie Flood, James Pointer, Keenan Prophet Holmes, Barbara Good, Will Ledwith, David McCarthy, Fiona Edge, Ross Wilson, Jordan Schofield, Barry Carruthers, and James Weiss. I want to thank you all for, um, for supporting the work that I do is super appreciated and I know this podcast is an important element of um, your support so when I say I need to you know come up with some I, I didn't want to kind of waste people's time by ranting on about um, just stuff for the sake of it I wanted to wait until I had something to say it's really my responsibility to to get inspired and think what can I what insight can I offer and actually the answer just kind of came to me while I was sitting there and it, I started to think you know, why am I unmotivated? Why do I feel like I can't um, progress with things here? Because I'm in this state of where things are just kind of nicely ticking over. You know, like my physique is getting better with every week. Uh, I feel like my wrestling's improving all the time. Um, things are really moving forward. Um, and it's just, uh, again, remember I said to you, 2019 was the year of hard work. 2020 is when hopefully I take that step up 
um, that's kind of what, what the project's been. But sometimes when you don't get that feedback, when th things aren't necessarily happening in an overt, out there fashion, it's difficult to keep motivated. So a few pieces of advice for you that can keep you motivated. And one of them comes from one of my uh, heroes who is uh, Chael Sonnen. Uh, so I don't want to pretend to be the author of this advice, but I just feel that it's something that has worked well for me. And he talks about this idea of, you know, just keep going. Just keep moving forward. And it's an easy thing to say, but it really starts from, he talks about the difference between, uh, you know when people say, oh, the battle is, you know, 99% mental and 1% physical. I'm just going to take a sip of coffee here, excuse me. Oh, how rude of me, but I just, I have to, what happens is I make myself a coffee on this podcast and I never end up drinking. It gets cold every single time. But so I'm, I think I just need to know it's there. But this time I gave it a little sip. So there we are. But it starts from this idea that people go on about and you hear all the motivational speeches and all the big speeches in movies where people say this game is 99% mental, 1% physical. And Chael Sonnen actually turned around and says, well, actually, that's BS, because at the end of the day, it's if it's fighting or wrestling or anything sort of physical, it is your body that is going to be doing the work for you. And he's like basically saying it does not matter if he's like, if I'm overtrained, underprepared, if I'm, you know, what, what if I'm nervous, whatever my mentality is, he says, if I, the, the fact is one person is going to beat up the other person. And it's kind of an interesting concept to me because before I'd always kind of bought into the myth that like, oh, you know, 90% mental, 10% physical. And first of all, these percentages are nonsense. They're different for different people. I think you get some people who are, you know, heroes in the gym, but when it comes to the real life performance, they really struggle with that stage fright. And I'm thankful to tell you that that is something that I feel passes because I have suffered from horrific stage fright for uh, a long time. Uh, I talked about this on a live show recently. And the only way to get over your stage fright is to no longer be afraid of wrestling in front of 10 people. You have to wrestle in front of 100 people. To no longer be afraid of wrestling in front of 100 people. And so on and so forth until eventually you do a stadium. And then actually arenas of three to 5,000 people just you know seem like something you can handle quite normally. I always seek experiences that are above the expectation level that I'm currently at. So I can cope with whatever is going on at that level. And that has really allowed me to enjoy um, the core promotions that I work for because I've had the, the privilege and the opportunity to work for some bigger uh, organizations on occasion. It's had to give me some uh, big opportunities. So I've kind of, I've done those. And then the core promotions that I work for, I'm able to really have fun. Like, so for example, I had Discovery Wrestling, me versus Lewis Gervin. Had a, I was really happy with the match. I had a great time, um, just awesome time. Love working loose every single time. And I was like, this is what wrestling's about. Whereas that would have terrified me a few years ago. Whereas now, because I've got a bit of experience under my belt, um, and I felt prepared. Preparation and experience are really the only two things that I think are going to help you get past this stage fright. Because at the end of the day, what is it that you're afraid of? You're, you're afraid of failing in front of a large audience. But what you have to do is you have to put yourself in that situation where it could happen. And do you know what? See, if it does happen and you do fail, that's okay. It's absolutely okay. It is okay to fail. It is okay to screw up every so often. All you got to do is you got to learn from it and move on. And when you accept that, life becomes a hell of a lot easier. So it kind of got me thinking 
um, again, about this principle that Chael Sonnen was talking about, this kind of, when people talk about it being more mental than physical, what he was saying is, no, 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 no. What you have to do is don't overthink it. There's this term called paralysis by analysis, which is when you think about something too much. When you spend too much time thinking about something and theorizing about something and you don't spend enough time actually um, doing what you do. You know, so the example that he gives, and again, not claiming to be the author here, is that if we were to put a plank of wood in your living room and say, walk from one side to the other, you could probably balance on it and do it quite easily. But if we were to take that same block of wood and put it between two buildings with no adverse weather conditions, it would probably be a much more difficult task. All that we have changed is the environment. And what happens is a lot of people tend to work themselves up into this crazy stress state where they can never perform at their best. So despite having all the physical tools in the world, they end up overthinking things. And, you know, I was one of the, those people, very anxious, always thought about the worst case scenario. What's going to happen if this happens? What's going to happen if that happens? Always thinking of the worst possible thing. And I spent so much time, and I'm going to bring it back to the episode I did on Stoicism, which talks about most suffering is imagined. It's not real. You'll find if you ever have a conflict or there's something uncomfortable you have to deal with in business, the actual conversation that you have to solve it is never or on bar the rare occasion, is it ever as bad as you think it is going to be? So again, what happens with these is whether it's wrestling or something else that you do in your life, if you spend all your time working yourself up about how bad it's going to be, you're never going to perform at your best. So this idea of it's more physical than mental, I have now kind of put myself into that category. Because see, when you sort of accept that and go, well, I am human and it is quite possible that I could fail, but I know that overthinking it is certainly not going to help the situation. So I'm just going to do my best and see what happens. And what it does is by doing that, that puts me in a state where the mental side of it doesn't really need to come into it all of the time. In fact, a lot of what I am doing um, again, pro wrestling and MMA or amateur wrestling are for example, they're, they're quite different sports or endeavors, if you will. I feel like for amateur wrestling, in my experience, or MMA from talking to others and being a fan for a long time, from what I can see, seems like being, you know, the ability to perform uh, within a very short window and kind of put months and months of hard work, and this is my experience through amateur wrestling, into a very condensed period of time where you have to display your skills um so for example matt riddle talks about it, how when he was in mma he would train for like you know three months he'd have one fight and then he'd be training camp for another three months whereas with pro wrestling he's able to go out and wrestle three times a week and express himself three times a week so it doesn't have the same pressure because you're getting out there you're getting the reps in you're getting the experience in you're getting those repetitions in, and that kind of dissipates some of the fear but for me what I accept is I often, I very rarely have like, you know, uh, uh, let's say a good match and then a bad match and then a good match and then a bad match. I tend to have, and when I say bad match or good match, that's just kind of at my, at whatever level I'm at, wherever, I'll leave that to the fans, whatever level you guys think that I'm at, I think for art, you leave that to the people that are interpreting it. Whatever art level I'm perceived to be at, it's just when I say a good match and a bad match, that's just to my standards. That might be higher than some, it might be lower than others, but for my standards, I tend to have not one and then the other, one and then the other, I tend to have 
a string of good matches and then a string of bad matches. Or string, and now I feel like I'm getting more consistent and having more what I would consider to be, you know, a str- longer strings of good matches. And then, you know, you might have the odd bad match here and there, but they tend to be grouped. It, it tends to be the mentality that you're in. And I'm thinking, I'm allowing this mental state of mind to affect me too much. And what Chael Sonnen describes as the answer to this is just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Everyone always looks for this insane strategy of, and I love to use MMA as a a kind of analogy because um, he talks about everyone's got the strategy of, oh, I'm going to do this crazy technique and I'm going to do that technique. And Chael says, I'm going to put keep my fists up, I'm going to walk towards the other person and I'm going to try to hit them more times than they're going to hit me. And I love that analogy because that does not require um, any crazy plot or, you know, mysterious, magical um, answer that, that people have been searching for for centuries. It's a very simple thing. And you can actually prepare yourself for that physically. And I think the more that you can put the onus on that side of things, on the routine nature of what you're doing, the more that you can make something a routine, like for example, what is it that makes you nervous? The more that you do it, it sounds obvious, the more that you practice it, the easier it becomes to then do it again and again and again and again. Like so for, I've found when I, whenever I've excelled or I felt like I've done something well, it's usually when I've trained well in advance for it. So for example, when one of my better matches, I would say is the one I had with Kurt Angle, where it's you know, what I could have done is just uh, gone out there and done my best and see what happened. But instead, I watched all of Kurt's more recent matches and thought, you know, what is going to be the best way to approach this? What ideas could I go into this with? And I really prepared for it as if it were a training camp. So what I think you should do, people, is basically the more that you put into your training before you actually get in there, the more that you prepare for it, whether that be thinking about it, whether that be in the gym, whatever that be, that preparation is going to take the mental stress away from you. The more that you can get it to be like a routine of, I go to the gym on these days, I'm training in the ring these days, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and whatever happens, happens. But you know what? I know that I've done the work. I know that I've prepared. I know that I've done my bit. I know I've done exactly what I need to do. I've done my bit. And if I perform well, then that's what should happen. If I don't and something goes wrong, is that with my control? Okay, whatever. What that does is that took away some of the mystery for me of, oh, will this go well and will this not? Because before, it tended to be random whether things would go well or not. And things are always going to happen that you can't control. But we as human beings, I think, tend to worry about the things that we can't control. And again, going back to the stoicism episode, what I've been trying to do is really hone in on the things that we can control rather than things that we can't control because it, you know it's obvious to say there's no point but we're all we all do it but it's almost like a form of meditation to try and worry about the things that we can control and the things that we can't control I think to be honest with you I'm struggling to uh, streamline this into one point of what I'm trying to say here so I'm going to try my very best here but I think the point I'm trying to get across is that I think the reason that Chael Sonnen methodology appealed to me so much is because we tend to put certain things on a pedestal and we thought about them and we fantasize about these big events or achievements for so long that when it comes to them actually happening, I get into that block of wood uh, um sorry, that block block of wood metaphor from one building to the other, it's the exact same task. It's the exact same task. 
But all we're doing is we're changing the environment. But for that, for some reason, that just makes it this huge, big thing. We make things bigger than we are. And what happens is we tend to get an adrenaline dump. So our hearts start beating faster. Um, We start, um, we make snap decisions as opposed to like focused reactions. We're not in what I would call flow state. So go look up flow state. There's a couple of really good channels that talk about flow state. Um, I will need to, one of them, I'm trying to remember the name of it, there's a kind of a martial arts channel that's just, uh, they talk about this a lot, but flow state is really interesting. I'm just going to look it up on my phone because it's definitely something that you should look at. Um, it's basically the idea that rather than worrying about what, uh, bear with me two seconds, I'm just going to find this. Um, Ah, Mind Smash. That's the channel I'm talking about. Uh, Go and watch this flow state video. It's really interesting, but basically it talks about the concept that you're so prepared and so comfortable with what you're doing that you're actually okay with the idea that not everything is going to go perfectly to plan. So you don't end up defeating yourself mentally before you get there. You're kind of, all you're doing is you've done the preparation beforehand. In a sense, you've, all the mental work has been done beforehand. And all we need to do now is you just need to be yourself. You just need to react. You just need to do what you do. You're in your flow state where you can respond to what's going on at the time rather than having to come up with your strategies and whatever. You can have fun. You can enjoy the process. And I feel like that really brings things into balance. But to truly truly be in that state and authentically be in that state, you need to, uh, I think, have a lot of experience. You need to have a lot of repetitions and you need to have really put in the work. But when you watch pro wrestlers, you know when someone is genuinely, genuinely enjoying themselves. Like when I watch Kenny Omega, I see someone who is absolutely loving every second of what they're doing and who is going out there with the belief that they are the very best wrestler on the planet. And that to me, it just, when he does a knee, when he, you know, hits an elbow, when he does anything, it just makes it that much more compelling to me when I see something like that, you know? Um, someone else I want to mention right now for people who are new wrestlers, I think is a very, this is someone that I, I kind of want to talk about because, you know, as, as, even talking about before I was a pro wrestler, when I was a fan, I always like to pride myself on picking out the, the stars before they became stars. And obviously this person is signed to a major wrestling organization, but for me, this person just has it. And it's Darby Allen. And the reason that I think this person is very interesting to watch is because I think they're very unique on a multitude of levels. And I think if you're a new wrestler, you should watch this person and you should watch their development because this person, again, much like this, I'm going to compare this person to Will Ospreay in a way because people think that Will is amazing because he can do all these amazing moves and he can do all these amazing moves, but really... Like one of the best things Will has done is that uh, I think it was the Frankenstein or the kind of hurricane ran off the top rope where he landed on his feet, but it was the way he was positioned for the camera angles. You know they talked about when uh, the Undertaker chokeslammed Mick Foley through the hell in a uh, through the hell in a cell, and that was the one that the wrestlers appreciated because they knew what the canvas was like. That's what I feel that. Will Ospreay spot was for a lot of wrestlers. That's the ones that the wrestlers appreciated because he did something really physically cool, but he lined it up perfectly for the cameras, you know? So that, I feel Darby Allen has got that. I watched um, his match against Cody. I've watched uh, some of his other stuff. I've been keeping up with what he's doing. And um, to me, I think he's just a really unique character, got a unique look. He's got this 
awesome backstory, skateboarder, his promos are different. Um, when he moves, he moves with ferocious speed, but again, very camera aware. I just, I think this person has got uh, instincts uh, that are awesome. And I just, I'm just throwing it out there. I think this person could be uh, a huge, huge, huge star uh, down the line. Just my opinion. I could be wrong, but to me, I think something special is going on there. And that's just, just one pro wrestler um, talking about another. I just wanted to throw that out. If you're a new wrestler, this would be someone to watch because if you're in your mind going, oh, I'm going to do these cool moves, what I want you to do is watch this person and see the cool moves, but then see the, the motions that they make to the camera. How do they, how does he express his character in between the moves and stuff like that? I think that's a good person to watch because, hey, myself, like a lot of other trainees, um, well, I'm not saying I'm a trainee, but I'm just saying like a lot of people getting into wrestling right now, I can identify with that because I'm having to really I, adapt my, my style to what's going on right now and it's a very difficult thing to do for me i had to accept like okay you know what like my style of wrestling might have been perfectly acceptable in 2004 it's just not 2004 anymore so i had to really change my approach to wrestling and i get a lot of training with lewis and again big shout out to respect pro wrestling um for letting me use their their space because that's where i've been kind of doing my training and stuff like that um but that's where i've been getting my reps in and uh, there's been a lot of new moves from myself, new sequences. We tried out so I tried out some new stuff with Discovery, and you know it's uh, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. But again, I'm having to adapt with everything that's going on. So I have to say now I am trying to watch as much wrestling as I possibly can. I'm trying to think like, for example. If you think about people at the top of the game, like Warren Buffett, for example, gets up and he you know reads all the papers and the the kind of financial. Um, situation everything that's going on and to me if i want to be a successful pro wrestler i really need to kind of be watching everything and it's crazy to me but there was a period of time where i just couldn't watch wrestling i just and i think it's because i had quite a lot of negativity towards the business and that's the thing that it's this weird thing when you have this passion but you've become you know disillusioned with it you can't even face it and that's wrestling to a lot of people can be the the greatest and the worst thing in your life and it's it's really weird because i just felt for me it's kind of hard to put that across because I don't think people outside the business really realize what people can go through, especially like politically and putting up a BS when you're getting into the business. And I had a lot of that and I found it really tough and stressful to break through to the next level. I felt there was a lot of pressure on my shoulders and I, I really struggled to cope with it. So to be honest, when I wasn't wrestling, I tried to kind of, you know, switch myself off from it. And what ended up happening was I wasn't keeping in, you know, up to date with modern wrestling. I was just watching you know basically you know what would be some of the main mainstream stuff and you know that's just not enough you need to be kind of searching out and seeing what's going on seeing what's getting over and one person that is a, a real uh, inspiration for me when i think about that is chris jericho because chris jericho look this is not going to be news to you you know this he is the king of reinvention i think there's a very strong argument that he's the greatest of all time because this person has been relevant um, in major organizations, I mean, arguably, a star, you know, even from when he was a star in, in Mexico, you know, going all the way back to, I believe that was his very early 20s. You know, Chris Jericho has, has been a star for, you know, is it in three different decades now at, at the highest possible level and still re-evaluating re himself and have, has arguably had the best match ratings of his career 
even now. There's no one I've ever seen that has adapted themselves that well. And through talking to people who have been around Chris Jericho, what the impression I get is that he is aware of everything that is going on in the industry. He has an all-seeing eye of the industry and can sense when there's changes, knows which direction to go in at what time. And in wrestling, timing is everything. So I've really tried to take influence from uh, Chris Jericho in how he does business and how he conducts himself, how he presents himself as a star as well. Um, I mean, if you remember, um, I, I don't know if you've read his books. I've read, uh, I think, all of them but one now. And I'm looking at uh, the other one. It's no is a four-letter word. I've got that on the... Uh, the the windowsill there, along with I've got Jim Ross's book, um, and non-wrestling related, I've got to get through uh, Gary V's Jab, 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 Right Hook as well. Um, but, you know, I'm one of the, and also um, Nike's book, Shoe Dog, I'm interested in that. But I digress, you know, I need to read more. I need to read more. I buy these books and I end up looking at them. But Chris Jericho's books, I have actually... Honestly, I think I've read more of his books than like any other books in the last however many years. I just I find them very captivating and actually very honest about what's going on. He's quite honest about um, things that he's maybe done that he's not too happy about in the books. So if you're a pro wrestler, I'd really recommend reading that. I think it's a good read. Believe it or not, I'm going to give you another recommended read. And I was shocked by this one. I did not expect this. But Dave was telling me, you got to read Brock Lesnar's book. Now... Don't get me wrong, when I think of Brock Lesnar, I think about a phenomenal athlete. I think about unbelievable achievements across a multitude of disciplines. What I didn't necessarily think was literary genius, but I was wrong. I know that he co-wrote his book, I believe it was with Paul Heyman, but um, you need to read this book because this will give you a different aspect of the industry. And Brock Lesnar comes, the, the, his viewpoint on the industry comes almost from not from necessarily a cynical place but a very matter of fact place and you know how i'm saying sometimes to tie it back earlier when you're talking about you love pro wrestling you've wanted to do it all your life you build it up um in this in this big way and it becomes this huge thing brock lesnar has absolutely none of that and you see the business advantage that brock lesnar has when he discusses everything like a business opportunity and Again, it's, it's just one of these things. It, there's so much common sense when you read his book. And I just think it's, if you're especially if you're a pro wrestler, you need to read Brock Lesnar's book because it gives you the viewpoint of what a top talent should be thinking if they want to get to the top of the business. Because there's this real odd balance in pro wrestling where you need to be respectful, you need to be passionate, and blah, blah, blah. But you don't want to get walked over. And it's this weird thing because here's the thing. When you're a trainee, I've always said this, when you start out, you need to let your work do the talking for you. And to be honest, I've been in situations where I haven't talked enough. I've been in more situations where I've talked too much. So I'm maybe not the best example of this. I probably was too big for my boots at certain points. But I've had other points where I didn't speak up enough. There's certain companies, and I will kind of talk about this in the future, where I didn't speak up enough, um, and it cost me. So you need to get that balance. You need to respect your brand. You need to do what's best for you. And I almost had this problem where I always had this mindset of doing what was best for the show. Well, if everyone else is doing what's best for them, then, you know, who's going to get left behind here, you know? It's if there's only a few people who are doing their best for the show and everyone else is being selfish, then, you know, it's not really going to work out. But on the same hand, if everyone's been selfish, the show's not going to be great. So it's kind of, it's this weird balance 
in pro wrestling that you kind of need to adhere to. It's just it's it's a very difficult thing to navigate, especially when you're a trainee, because you're going to need to come at it from that viewpoint of you're going to need to you know speak when spoken to, go show, help out, pay your dues, set up the ring, do all this stuff, do all that, do these bookings for you know that kind of that uh, proverbial hot dog and a handshake, that sort of thing. You need to do all that stuff. But at what point? It's like Steve Austin talked about this really well on his podcast. He was like, you do that, and then you want to get paid a little bit. And then you want to get a decent salary. And then you take it to the next level. And then your expectations, you need to constantly raise those expectations. But your work ethic, you should almost be a, a step ahead of your expectations, you know? Like, you should almost, I feel like your output and you, the quality of your work should almost be a level above what your expectations are of the industry. So make sure, you know, try your very best to be better than everyone else around you. I know that sounds really weird and horrible and self-serving, but, you know, if if you're in competition with others and they're constantly getting better, then that's going to push you to get better. That is what we call healthy competition. You would, You should always, whether it's wrestling amateur wrestling, MMA, whether it's, you know, sales, whether it's, whatever it is, you should always try to be, as The Rock says, the hardest worker in the room. And to tie that back to the start of the episode, the key to doing that is not necessarily to overthink everything, but it's to do. It's to put one foot in front of the other and just keep moving. Just keep working. If you're not sure what to do, just keep working. Just keep scoring points. Just keep doing this. Just keep, just keep training. Just keep going. Just keep going. Because to bring it all back, I was feeling very unmotivated and for, you know, several days I didn't really do much and I was starting to feel really crappy about it. And I thought to myself, my motivation just isn't there. But all I did is I put one foot in front of the other and I just got up and I did one very small task. And I kind of gave myself a little mental pat on the back for doing that task. And then I moved on to the next task and then the next task. And then here I am sitting here. I'm all ready to go. I've, I've been putting my effort and time into these projects that I want to get started on. And, you know, I'm just I'm super excited. But how I got there wasn't just by getting off the couch and doing it. It was by doing, you know what? The dog needs a walk. I'm going to go and take the... And just to be clear, when I say I didn't do anything, I've never not walked the dog. That's a bad example. But like, so for example, I need to respond to those emails. I'm going to respond to those emails. And then when I do, I felt good about getting rid of those emails. So maybe next I'm going to do what I need to do with my taxes. And then once I've done that, you know, I'm going to head along to the gym. And then once I've done that, you know, so on and so forth. Life tends to operate with momentum both positive and negative. So if things are, that's what I mean, I'm tying it back to that those that good match and bad match thing. You tend to have like a string of good matches and then a string of bad matches because momentum is real, people. You notice that with sports stars as well. You notice that with artists. They tend to have a very, it's not oh, one hit here, one hit there, one world championship here, one world championship there. It tends to be, you know, strings of time where this is that period of time and then there's maybe not much, and then there's this part of time. And, you know, it tends to be, that momentum is real and don't make it this mythical thing make it real by putting one foot in front of the other getting out there and giving it a go and doing your best and just just keep moving just give it a go just get it done just try because it sure as hell isn't going to happen sitting on the couch I've been the prestigious one. Um, apologies for the delay in the update. I'm going to probably record another one this evening. So thank you very much for watching this. I appreciate it. If you got something out of it, you know the drill, people. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Joe Hendry and any and all support is super appreciated and making this great content for you. I've been the prestigious one and I shall see you next time.